Good morning, good morning. Hope and pray that your day, the Lord's day here, has already been beneficial. It is indeed an honor to stand before our God today, to render worship to Him and His holy name, and to think of the best thoughts that a person can think of. Along that line this morning, we're going to focus on some great thoughts about heaven. Brother Aaron's been leading us in these wonderful verses about heaven. O Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. O Zion, Zion, when shall I come and dwell within thee? Indeed, if heaven is not my home, then O Lord, what will I do? And so, you could stand up here, any of you, in any conversation, and discuss some of your favorite thoughts about heaven with a great biblical foundation. That's all I'm doing with you this morning. Just some personal thoughts that are favorites of mine about heaven. That scripture certainly supports. We would never entertain the idea of speaking about God's things without hearing first from God. And so let's work together. Let's go through a few things together this morning. The first thought that comes to my mind is that heaven is the ultimate heaven. The ultimate heaven. I like that. You see, the word heaven in the Bible is used in different ways. The word heaven is used to refer to the region right above the earth where the birds fly and the clouds form. Genesis 1 verse 8. Genesis 7 11 talking about God getting ready to flood this world back in those days. It says the windows of heaven were opened. And here comes the rain. Here comes the water. So the word heaven refers to that region, we know. The word heaven, as used in the Bible, also refers to the outer space region, Genesis 1.14, where the lights of heaven are, the sun, moon, and stars. God created it this way. We remember David saying in Psalm 8 and verse 3, when I consider, Lord, When I consider thy heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit uh, him. But also, and this is our favorite part, the Bible refers to what you can call to the ultimate heaven. The most important heaven. Called, I want you to notice this, called the heaven of heavens. Turning over with me to Deuteronomy 10 verse 14. Notice the phrase in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 14. Where Moses refers, or really God himself refers, Moses refers to the heaven of heavens. Deuteronomy 10 14. To the Lord our God belongs 
heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth and all that is in the earth. Everything belongs to God, but especially for us this morning, the heaven and the heaven of heavens. See, that's the heaven we're concerned with, most concerned with. The heaven of heavens, the ultimate heaven. Paul refers refers us to the fact that in in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, that um, he was lifted up unto the third heaven. To the third heaven. As he received a vision from God. The third heaven. It's that third heaven that we are most concerned about. It's the heaven of heavens that we adore. It's the heaven of heavens that we were just singing about. I love that thought. I love that thought. It helps me appreciate heaven more. You see, the region where the birds fly and then the region where the stars and, and the, the moon are housed, okay, those are very wonderful indeed, but those will be destroyed at the second coming of Jesus. The Lord himself says in Matthew twenty four thirty five, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. Those regions which are physical, they will all be burned up when Jesus comes again. And so our focus must be on that heaven of heavens, the third heaven. Now, there's no doubt that we can receive quite a bit of encouragement and inspiration from these other heavens. A lot of people love to watch the birds fly. I have discovered again and again as I have visited around different members' homes over the last many years that people love to get these bird feeders and just watch the birds. It's interesting to look up into the sky and watch birds maneuver and at certain times of day where they, where they seem to just glide across the sky, it's really amazing to see. It's quite wonderful to observe if, you ever, if you're ever, ever able to go out into a place where it's absolutely dark at night. We're blessed when we go up to a Bible camp uh, during the summertime up at Fall Creek Falls. Uh, the place that we camp is absolutely, when we turn all the lights out at night, it's absolutely dark. But being in that absolute darkness, you can look up into the sky and you can see far and you can see all the luminaries, you can see the stars, you can see it forever and it just makes quite an impression upon you. But these heavens do not even begin to compare to the heaven of heavens that God has promised for us. Notice a couple of verses. Paul says in Philippians 1 and 23, that he desired to depart and be with Christ, which is very far better. Very far better. The Apostle Paul, once again in Romans 8, verse 18, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this, of this present world are not worthy to be compared Boy, did he ever say it there. Whatever is happening in this world is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed uh, to us one day. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 16, Paul says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. And notice Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If you want an Old Testament passage to mark in regard to how much better heaven is, one of my favorite is Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. In Psalm 16, verse 11, you'll notice that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. When I think of heaven... I think of heaven being the ultimate heaven. We experience different heavens here on earth. The sky, the clouds, even able to peer into uh, the outer space regions. But all of that will be gone one day, leaving us with the heaven of heavens. And that's where our focus uh, should be. And really, nothing will ever compare to that third heaven. A second thought about heaven I'd like to share this morning. One of my favorite thoughts is that heaven is where God is. Heaven is where God is. I'm not sure we'll talk about anything more important all day long than this right here. Heaven is where God is. Notice the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 16 when He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The Father is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray, Matthew 6 and verse 9. He says, start like this. He says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. That's where God is. What a tremendous thought. What a powerful thought. If my number one reason for wanting to go to heaven does not involve wanting to be with God, then I would need to back up. I would need to start again. In fact, I would say for any of us that when you think about reasons that you want to go to heaven, if reasons number 1 through 30 doesn't have something to do with wanting to be with God, then we need to go back to the drawing board. I'm very serious about that. See, this is how Paul taught. Going back to Philippians 1, 21 to 23, he says, My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. To be with Him. Or notice Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 16 and 17, when he talks about the second coming, he says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then he adds this, Paul does, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what it was for Paul. That's what it has to be for me and for us, all of us. 
My number one overriding reason for wanting to be in heaven is to be able to be with the Lord in a way I've never ever been able to be with the Lord. You see, it's about a relationship. It's not just about missing hell. And it seems, it just seems, it just seems that some folks' view of eternity is I've just got to stay out of hell. And oh, how much you miss. Oh, how much a person misses. How much a person is missing, if that's the case. You just want to stay out of hell? Is that it? Come on. As somebody would say, come on, man. Come on. Surely there's more to it than that. There is more to it than that. It's about being with the Lord. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. I think most of you out there would say the same thing about your marriage as I'm about to say about mine. There's not one thing or one person who would ever come between me and Kelly. We've been at this marriage business now for quite a while. It's not that there's anything special about me and Kelly. There's not. Not anything special. We're just another knot on the log like you. But we have built a relationship, a bond, that simply just won't be torn apart. Even more so, should it be, that we are establishing even more so a relationship with the Lord. With the Lord. All this that we go through about the authority of God, all this that we go through about the holiness of God, all this that we go through about the history of God, all this that we go through about the love of God has this one single purpose in God's mind, and that is for us to walk with Him. It's for us to create a close personal relationship with Him. If we have that, then we're going to, that's going to be our number one reason for wanting to go to heaven. Just be with Him. Be with Him. That's enough. That is enough for me. I just be there with Him. It's about a relationship. Of course, it's also about faith and courage. And turning over to what, to some of what Roger read for us earlier today from 2 Corinthians four verse six, not four five. 2 Corinthians five verse six. 2 Corinthians five verse six. Paul begins that verse by saying, "Therefore, we are of good courage. Good courage. There's the good fight of the faith, and there is good courage to have." We are of good courage, knowing, he says, knowing that while we are at home in the body, then we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. Again, Paul says, with good courage, we say that we are willing rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. When it says home with the Lord, literally it means to be face to face with the Lord. That is Paul's, you can see, that's his overriding desire. That's his, that's his biggest desire, to be home with the Lord. And there's something about being in heaven that introduces us to the presence of God that we'll never know until we get there. But I say with Paul... It takes a great deal of faith and courage to think like this. 
And somehow we must come up to the level of faith that Paul has here. It's a matter of relationship. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of courage. It's also a matter of knowledge. You know what someone said about heaven? They said it will be a place of uninterrupted knowledge of God. That just sort of caught my attention when I heard that one time. That almost sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, here, in this life, we are seeking to know God. We are seeking to grow in the grace and knowledge of our God. As Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 18, we're seeking to do that. But we're constantly interrupted. Okay. If nothing else, we're interrupted by sleep. Right? In heaven, there won't be any night there. There won't be any sleeping in heaven. Sorry, Ben. Sorry about that. Which one of you most sleepy-headed there? Ben or James? I forget. But, but no sleeping in it. It'll be a place of uninterrupted knowledge of God. Here, we seek to know God, but we have our limitations. We, have our own, we interrupt ourselves a lot. Our sin, okay? our laziness, our weaknesses, our distractions. Okay? Not only that, the things that we must take care of in order to survive here in this life. This is interrupted knowledge of God. But once we get home in heaven, it will be a place of uninterrupted knowledge, uninterrupted presence of God. There's something about that we can't describe, but it's there. Notice John's words in 1 John 3, verse 2. He says, Brethren, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, Jesus, when Jesus appears, 1 John 3, verse 2, we shall be like Him, and we shall see Him even as He is. I can't wait to find out what that means. Can you? One of my favorite thoughts about heaven is there is where we get to be in the full presence of the Lord. We get to be with the Lord. Is there any greater thought on earth or in heaven? Now, before we leave this idea, kind of as a side note, just because we say heaven is where God is, that doesn't mean that there's a place where God is not. Okay. You see, when you begin to talk about God, you're over your head. You're way over your head. You're out of your league for all of us. Okay. So while heaven is the home of God, also, we know from Scripture teaching that God is everywhere. There's no place where God is not. He's just that awesome and huge and beyond our words to, to describe. Now, be turning over with me to Jeremiah 23. Notice this right quick. Jeremiah 23, 24. If you hadn't already marked this, you'll want to. God's going to ask a question here. But remember, just, just a side note about the fact that God is everywhere. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes, of the, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the good and the evil. We know Psalm 139 uh, says that there's no place where God is not. 
If you, if you took the wings of the morning, the writer says there in Psalm 139, went to the uttermost parts of the sea, there God would be. If you go down to, to the grave, or Sheol, there God is. If you go up to heaven, there God is. Just ways of illustrating that God is everywhere. But notice here in Jeremiah 23, 24, a question, a couple of questions from God. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Absolutely, we know the answer to those questions. You can't hide. How many men, how many people try to hide in secret places thinking they're getting away with something? No one is looking. You can't mock God. Right, Galatians 6, verse 7. God is not mocked. What you might be able to pull off with a man or with a fellow human being, you can't do with God. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Yes, you do, Lord. And we praise you for that. A third thought about heaven this morning is to think about, because it is a joyous place, to think about the things missing in heaven. That's my third thought with you this morning. Things missing in heaven. You've got to be careful here, Ken. You've got to be careful. I'm about to, but here we go. All right. So, one of the things that makes heaven a joyous, happy place is because there's, there's going to be some things missing there. There's going to be some things that won't be there. Okay. The first thing on the list that's not going to be there is marriage. Okay. So you feel a little bit funny saying that, don't you? Because and because. Okay. But it's true. It's true. It's true. Matthew 22, verse 30. Remember Jesus coming off a little conversation who's from someone who asked him, you know, what if a lady has several husbands and, and then um, each one of them had died and the other the brother took place and another brother took his place and okay, they all get in the resurrection, get in heaven. Whose wife will she be? Jesus said, in the resurrection, you're not married, neither are you given in marriage, but you are as angels, the angels of God, angels in heaven. You don't become angels but there's something about our new body that we'll receive to go to heaven that will, that will be non-physical, of course, and that will have a similar nature to uh, the angels, as angels, as angels. Things missing in heaven. Marriage will be missing in heaven, but also, as we're referring to here, our physical bodies. The body that you see as you look in the mirror will not be there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit that kingdom. Paul explains to us in Philippians 3.21 that this lowly body, this vile body that we have now, will be changed to be made into a, a body like unto the Lord Himself. You see, we just read 1 John 3, 2, where, where John says, When the Lord comes, we shall be like Him. That's that change that we'll undergo. We shall be like Him. We'll, well, we'll be given a new body. And it will be much like the Lord's body. 
So this old body, that's really great news. It's really great news. Think about the struggles of this body. Think about how you watch other people struggle with their body. But in heaven, there won't be any of those struggles. According to Revelation 7, verse 16, things missing in heaven, there won't be any hunger there. There won't be any thirst there. There won't be any burning heat uh, there. Things missing in heaven. According to Revelation 21, 1 and 2, the, the earth and the sea will be no more. As we mentioned before, Jesus' second coming, these physical heavens will be destroyed when Jesus comes again. Things missing in heaven. The sea won't be there. The sea won't be there. According to Revelation 21, verse 4, the, the crying, the pain, the sickness and death will not be there. Revelation 21, 4. According to Revelation 21, verse 25, there will be no night there. No night. One eternal day as we were singing a moment ago. One eternal day. According to Revelation 22, verse 3, no more curse. No more curse. When sin entered the world, Genesis 3, God pronounced a curse on us, this world, death. But Galatians 3, 10 through 13 says, Jesus became a curse for us on the cross. And so Jesus is the one giving us this hope. Let's retain this idea as we, in just a moment, we'll be gathering around the Lord's memorial table. Let's remember that. That the reason we have hope of heaven is because of what the Lord has done for us on the cross. Galatians 3 says, He became a curse for us so that we can go, we can receive forgiveness, but we can go to a place where there's no more curse, no more sin. No more temptation. Things missing in heaven. My final thought about heaven this morning. Heaven is known to be really the the, the ultimate seat of authority. Heaven really is another way of saying God. Let me give you a couple of samples here. Matthew 16, verse 1, some came to Jesus and said, show us a sign from heaven. Okay. They're talking about God. Show us a sign from God. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus tells uh, the apostles, whatsoever you shall bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. Heaven. Heaven, God. Heaven, the seat of authority. There's a real interesting exchange that takes place between Jesus and some of the Pharisees, Matthew 21, 24, and 25. You remember this. You know, they're always asking Jesus questions. Jesus says on this occasion, he says, I'll ask you one question. He says, the baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from men? Now, we understand what Jesus is asking there. He's saying the baptism of John. John's teaching, John's ministry, okay. baptism of John, okay. was it authorized by God or was it a mere creation of man? Now the Pharisees knew that John was a prophet of God. And so therefore they knew the right answer there that um, 
it was authorized by God. Now, interestingly, over Luke uh, chapter 7, 29 and 30, the comment is made that many of those Pharisees refused to be baptized in John's baptism. By the way, John's baptism, according to Mark 1, 4 and 5, was for the remission of sins. So they, they refused to be baptized of John. And the Lord says there in, in Luke 7, 29 and 30, that in, in refusing to be baptized with John's baptism, they rejected, they rejected the counsel of God. They rejected the counsel of God. That's, that's very important for us to consider. If in rejecting, refusing to be baptized in John's day, equals rejecting God himself, then what about the baptism that's been authorized by Jesus himself for our day? What's the situation then? Certainly, if we refuse to be baptized in, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, that would also be equaling, that would equal out to be a complete rejection, rejection of the purpose and the counsel of God. So heaven is, of course, the seat of authority. It refers to really God himself. And this is a good way for us to bring our thoughts to an end for this morning. Because I must ask myself, if, do I want to go to heaven? Do I loan those gates to see? If I do, that brings me back to the counsel of God, to the purpose of God. Have I come to him? Do I still come to him? It makes complete sense that baptism is very important in the scheme of eternal salvation. When we read in Revelation chapter 7, 13 and 14 about those in heaven, the question is asked there in Revelation 7, who are these in these robes, these white robes? Who are these people? And the answer is given, these are the ones who have made their robes white and washed in the blood of the Lamb. These are those who have had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb and made white. And this washing is associated with baptism, most definitely. When Paul was baptized, Ananias said to him leading up to that, Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Can we help this morning? Can we assist? Can, can we encourage together as God's family? Can we encourage anyone today? To begin your journey to heaven is the most important decision ever. You know this. We need to stop and go back and relook again and again at some great thoughts about heaven. I hope these have been encouraging. To think about heaven being the heaven of heavens. Heaven being the place where God is. Heaven being the place where, where things will be missing that makes life sometimes not so good here. But in heaven they won't be there. And to think about the fact that heaven is God's seat of authority. 
It's where, it's where his throne is. It's where he rules. And that's where we want to be. Will you come right now as we stand together? As we sing?